What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in to Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how are you? Okay. Uh, obviously a very interesting, uh, very uh, sad not a night of football on Monday night. Um, so this is obviously going to be a little bit of a, a different show, a very different show. Um, you know, as DeMar Hamlin continues to fight for his life in a, in a University of Cincinnati Medical Center, uh, as we record this live here on Tuesday, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. But yeah, once we saw what happened last night, everything stopped. No one has any idea what's going to happen, what went on. It was devastating. It was horrendous watching that live. Um, We obviously are hoping and praying for his recovery. Hopefully that he and his family are okay. I know that his family was there. They were trying to get him into the ambulance with him to get to the hospital. Uh, It's just a horrendous situation all around. Unprecedented. Nothing like this has ever happened that I can think of off the top of my head. This is just, just horrendous. It's the only thing you can say. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to... ESPN and some of the media, especially Booger McFarland, I, I think that he did a great job trying to put understanding in a situation where there's no playbook, there's no idea of what's going on. You're all of a sudden now put in front of a camera and trying to explain live to people what's happening. I think Booger McFarland deserves a massive shout out as well as Joe Buck. I think they did a nice job trying to put yeah. some sort of perspective yeah. in a situation where you really can't. Um, so I did want to give some shout out to them as well as the EMTs that were able to get to him swiftly on the field because they booked it out there. Without them, we have no yeah. idea how uh, this would have gone. Well, I, I think, look, um, there's a million different ways to, to talk about this. I think the most important way to talk about it is, is first off, um, and you, you've mentioned it just now, the first responders who went out there, whether it be the trainers and any medical personnel out on that field. Um, if if Demar Hamlin can pull through, those people essentially saved his life. I mean, there there is no two ways. So, um, 
know, let's continue to pray that that's exactly how this plays out, that he walks out of that hospital and that he's got a full life ahead of him, football included or not. I mean, at this point, look, football is a, a complete afterthought. Um, I mean, what, what happened on that field Monday, you know, I, I can't stop obviously thinking about Hamlin. I also can't stop thinking about T Higgins who, mm-hmm. you know, was the, was the player who, you know, the, the Bengals receiver who, who ran into Hamlin on that play. Um, and who seemed really shaken up afterwards, left the stadium with his mother. Um, and I think it's one of those things that it's just, it's bigger than sports. Like this is not a sports story at this point. It's a news story. It's a national news story. It's, I would imagine, even overseas, an international news story. Like this is how many football games have been played in the NFL's history. I mean, you're talking, you know, tens of thousands of games. This is beyond rare. This is beyond, um, you know, a, 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 a once in a lifetime. This is a this is a once in like a multi generation thing, I mean, and and yet it happens, um, and the world stops, the football world stops, and it should, and it must, um, you know, because because of the, the the gravity of the situation, because of how rare it is you know unfortunately in the nfl it's not i don't want to say it's common but it's it you if you've watched football long enough you've seen guys get stretched off the field you've seen guys you know you, you're waiting you hope to see a thumbs up right you see i mean those things scary as they are they happen and in the nfl culture it's accepted that it's going to happen a handful of times a year what happened last night is such an abnormality and so serious and so obviously serious that I think it, it demands reflection and pause and a greater understanding of exactly what took place. Uh, and now, you know, football takes a complete backseat as it, as again, as it, as it must. Um, and you just hope right now that DeMar Hamlin, whether it's today, tomorrow, a week from now, whatever it is, walks out of that University of Cincinnati hospital and as a 24-year-old kid gets to live out his life. I mean, that's that's all that matters right now. Everything else is academic. I do think Booker McFarland, again, said it very well. When you play football, you understand the risks of – you expect to potentially tear your, you tear your ACL. You expect sure. to have a bum ankle. You may even, may even expect to have a concussion. But you don't expect to potentially have a life or death situation on the field playing a game. That's what you don't expect. That's when it becomes a situation that makes it so much more dire. And I thought that was just such a good, good reason where these guys, they understand the risks of playing football, sure. but they don't, it's not ever like from what we've seen life or death. Uh, I do think the Bengals fans also should get a shout out. They did a, a fantastic job. Uh, even cheering when the Buffalo Bills players went to the locker room, it seemed like they had a understanding that this was bigger. What they were witnessing and what was unfolding was bigger than the game itself. Um, I have a little bit of beef, I should say, with the NFL. Uh, I don't know how true it was, but obviously it was said on the broadcast that they were going to give them five minutes. Five minutes to warm up and then go back out there. Right. I think Zach Taylor, I think uh, Sean McDermott, did a great job basically saying, no, this is not going to continue. This is not happening. We're not getting five minutes as you're seeing Bills players, Bengals players crying on the sideline. Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen looked – Josh Allen, I've never seen a face like that before. 
I mean, that was frightening. I think the coaching staff, the players deserve a lot of credit. And I still have an issue with the NFL saying five minutes for a warm-up. I was just insensitive. Yeah. I mean, look, I, the NFL is denying that it, it, it gave five minutes. Um, you know, then obviously the, the, the coaching staff uh, was for the Bengals and, and for the Bills, both coaching staff said, look, we're not, you know, we're not going to play the game. They went back in the locker room. And of course we all know how it unfolded. The game is still under suspension. The NFL in a conference call really late, uh, right after midnight Eastern time, said that there was never any edict that there was a five-minute warm-up period in the play of the game. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if the NFL gave that order. I don't know if that was something that was initially agreed upon on the field and it was just relayed incorrectly. Um, I mean, obviously, in a moment like that, there's going to be confusion. There's going to be some chaos. You know, and I, I've seen people say, well, the NFL has to have all these plans in place. I'm like, I hear that. I'm with you. Nobody in the world thinks that's going to happen. I mean, again, the league's been around for 100 years, and thank God it doesn't happen. But last night, it happened. And, and I, look, I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with you should have a protocol and another thing. Thankfully, the medical staff did. Thank, thankfully, somebody immediately understood what was going on on that, on that medical staff. Uh, and, and the Bills and the Bengals both set the trends. Everybody was out there. Obviously, in that, it's an all-hands-on-deck situation. I don't know what happened with the NFL in those moments. Did they ask for it for a five-minute delay or a warm-up period? And, and play? I don't know if they did. That's, that's an abomination. Um, look, the, the bottom line is there was no way those players on either team, especially the Bills, of course, but on either team, they were, they were going to be able to play. That wasn't going to happen. I, I, I can't speak for anybody else. But, you know, the initial, the initial play um, – I didn't see Hamlin go down. I just saw that he was on the ground. I didn't, you know, when you were just watching it live. And when they came back and showed the replay, um, I immediately, it was very evident something was, was very wrong with him. I mean, that, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, you see guys sometimes maybe they get a concussion and they kind of get up a little bit and then they just, they go back down on their own accord. You don't see a guy stand up and then all of a sudden just go limp. I mean, that, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, but what really, for me personally, hit home was the, the players' faces. It was so visible how upset they were right away. And again, in the NFL, scary as it is, I mean, guys get carted off. Guys get stretched. You don't see players, you know, react in the way that they reacted last night. You know, you typically see a guy go over to the cart, go over to this, you know, maybe, you know, give him, give him a word of encouragement. If they can, if they're not going to at risk of injury, maybe, you know, touch the guy, give him, you know, give him a high five or not, you know, just shake the hand or whatever, hand on the chest. You don't see guys sobbing like Tredavious White was last night. You don't, I mean, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, on down the line. I mean, so many other players who were just, who were crushed, who were devastated. It was very obvious that something was way beyond even what you would consider a not a typical, but, but a, a, a scene before NFL injury. So I think now, again, all the rest of this stuff is, is so academic. I mean, the, 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 the bottom line is you just hope that Hamlin recovers fully, that he, as long as it takes that he walks out of that hospital, that he's got, 
all of his functionality, and he can live a normal life. I mean, that's if that happens, as scary as this is, then true, true tragedy was averted. Anything less than that, it's obviously extremely tragic. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Demar Hamlin, obviously, he is the main story here. This is the majority of what we are trying to talk about, trying to unfold and try to almost make sense of the NFL, though, in a general sense, this is secondary, this game and what it means. But what does the NFL do? This is not something that's happened before. I have no idea how they handle this. What, in your best estimation, would happen from a NFL perspective when it comes to moving forward with this situation? I mean, it's, it's from a football perspective, I don't know what the NFL will do because it is, again, I mean, this has never happened. Um, for the record, just for, for, true covering all bases one time to my knowledge a player has died on the field um that was chuck hughes he was it was a wide receiver for the detroit lions in 1971 they were playing the bears they were at tiger stadium he collapsed he had a he had a um pulmonary i believe it was a pulmonary embolism he had passed away right on the field hamlin per the bills statement really early on tuesday morning um, they had to restore the heartbeat. So obviously saved his life. Um, but I mean, this, this is, un- this is almost unprecedented and a game has never been suspended in NFL history for something like this. So what do you do? I mean, the look from, again, from a, from a football perspective on this, you have one full week of games left before the playoffs. I don't know what you do with this game. And I will say up front, I have no problem with whatever the NFL decides to do, provided it's not force these guys back out there Wednesday night, because that just seems to be the best thing for the NFL. 
I don't have a problem if the NFL calls it a tie. I don't have a problem if the NFL moves all the Week 18 games back a week and they just kind of slot back every single thing until you get to the Super Bowl and there's just not a bye week for the Super Bowl and they play this game next week, like, like, in, in, like in five days, six days from now. I don't have a problem um, if they just simply talk to the Bills and the Bengals and they kind of all together come up with a judgment of, of what they think is best. I think that's what the NFL should do. I think this should be a constant communication with the Bills, additionally with the Bengals, and decide, all right, look, what does what, is, what does everybody feel? I mean, I, I gotta be honest. If I'm a if I'm a player on the Bills, I, I mean, am I looking to fly back to Cincinnati where all this just happened and say, okay, guys, it's whatever it is, you know, first and ten at midfield, and we're gonna play this game right after all this, right on the same field. I mean, I, that seems that seems barbaric. That that seems completely out of touch. So I I really wrestle with it. I think, you know, from a from a league standpoint, obviously the NFL is the NFL and it's a business. I'm sure they'd like to get the game. I just don't know. The game is – it takes such an incredible backseat to this. I think you just talk to the teams and you let the teams decide. I really do. I think that's what they should do. Yeah. It's almost a no-win situation, as Matthew Montgomery points out, for the NFL. There's nothing that they can decide that's going to alleviate what just happened. There's nothing that they can say that they can have and try and make sense of that is going to – Please, everybody, business, personal, and again, what it comes down to is making sure Hamlin is okay. I don't know what they do. I, I'm not going to pretend and sit here like I have a great idea. I think you're, you're right going with the Bengals and Bills, talking directly with them. As far as seating goes, which seems so, so small at this point, so inconsequential, right? Like it, it does not matter. DeMar Hamlin's what matters in this situation. Do they leave it as is? Just say, hey, uh, we've never had anything happen like this before. Seating right. is is locked in. Or at least where the the, the seats, like let's say the top, I mean, it's at top three, where there's no movement going on between the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs. Call it a tie. Let it fall where it may. Right. I mean, if, you're, if you're a Bengals player, too, this is devastating for them as well. You you saw T. Higgins, you saw Joe Burrow, you saw Zach Taylor, I, the, the head coach. This is not just a the Bills had an injury. This is something where if you're a player, I, I don't know how you go back on the field after something like that. Well, and I know you know. Look, I've I used to um, try to act more at this. So my wife is in the medical field. Um, my my best friend is a is a police officer who's had to administer CPR. I think one time for almost an hour straight. Um, and you know the reason I bring that up is I talked to both of them last night. My wife was actually watching the game with me when it happened, and I talked to my uh, my friend who's in law enforcement for about an hour after the game last night. And I, I asked them, you know, about CPR because look, you know, it's something that. I think people, you know, you see it on TV typically, like you see it on um, 
you know, movie, you know, a guy gives CPR, a woman gives CPR, and it looks very like, yeah, you know, you, 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 you do a chest compression or two and everything's great. Well, in real life, like CPR is a, a very visceral thing. I mean, CPR is, you know, you're, I mean, you are pounding on that person's chest. It is, it's not, it's not a simple, you know, Hey, six chest compressions and, you know, you get a heartbeat. I mean, you know, obviously, first of all, we know they were doing CPR for nine minutes on the field. So, but this is, you know, I always, I always think, you know, if you're a player in that spot, you know, you're not only watching, you're hearing everything going on. It's not just what you're seeing with your eyes, you're hearing with your ears. Um, you know, whether that's the, the medical personnel, whether it's, you know, the teammate who's upset, whatever it is, um, I think, you know, that that's the other part of this. Like, it's not, it's not just simply, you know, hey, you know, they did CPR and they put him in the ambulance and, and we're concerned. I mean, obviously, the first thing is you're extremely concerned about your teammate and your friend and everything else. But it's also what you witnessed. And that that's to your point about, like, it's also the Bengals here. I mean, everybody was on that field. And anybody who was on that field was bearing witness to what was going on. So... That's why, look, you know, it, the conversation is going to start to include what happens here moving forward um, from the less important angle of it, which is the games. And I, I think it's going to be, at least I shouldn't say I think it's going to be, I, I think it should be that the NFL, the league office, talks to these teams and says, what do you want to do? What does everybody want to do here? Do we want to cancel the game? Call it a tie? Do do we want to re, do we want to pick the game up and play it? I mean, whatever the teams want to do, I'm good with it. Like, and, and I would also say this: they should also consult the Mar Hamlin's family. Like that should be another part of this. Like everybody should be on the same page. And if they're not, then I don't think you have a decision. That that's the way I would term it. We can try and, I don't want to say move on, but this entire show obviously is going to be about DeMar Hamlin, but trying to talk about the NFL in general, it's obviously what this this show, Stacking the Box, tries to do. Um, we're going to try and, and talk more about the NFL in general, but again, DeMar Hamlin is the guy who truly matters in this situation. Uh, looking at the AFC as a whole, the standings are so so close so so tight who ends up getting the number seven seed in the afc uh yeah i mean so <laughs> right now the teams that are fighting for the spot are um pittsburgh miami new england um i'll say pittsburgh because I don't think the Dolphins are going to win with Skylar Thompson, at quarterback, if he has to play. Teddy Bridgewater may play. They're not ruling that out. He's a broken finger on his throwing hand. That doesn't seem ideal. Um, the Jets are really, really good defensively. They're not good offensively, but they're good defensively. I think the Jets are going to win the game. And then with the Patriots and the Bills, of course, I mean, there is just – there's so many – I mean, who knows? You know, is that game going to be played on time? Is it going to be – I mean, so I, I don't know. If – if the game's played, I would I would pick the Bills to win, although obviously everything going on right now is, is so – I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, how do you account for all the emotion? I think the Steelers will beat the Browns. So I, I would I would take Pittsburgh. But again, because of, of the DeMar Hamlin situation, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where the Bills are going to be mindset-wise. I mean, how, how can you account for it? So um, I'll say Pittsburgh. But obviously, it's a, it's a very open question. Yeah, Uh, I would say Pittsburgh might have the best shot, but I also think that Miami can't be ruled out. The Jets right now, they're in a free fall. They've not looked good. Uh, I know Mike White, supposed to be playing correct, supposed to be healthier after the rib injury. I I, I think that you can make a a strong case that no matter who's that quarterback for Miami, the surrounding cast is better. And I could see Miami ending up as the seven C, but I will say both the jets, both Miami limping to the finish line uh, in the NFC, who ends up with the seven seed. I think in the NFC, it's going to be the Packers. I, I just think look, they're, they're winning in and I think they're going to beat Detroit at home. Uh, Detroit has not been the same team away as it has been at home, uh, especially offensively. The Packers are just a far better team at this point than they were a month ago. They've been, they've been, Great in the turnover battle. They're plus nine in the last four games. They've um, they've they've been very good running the ball. They've gotten pressure on the quarterback. So I think the Packers are just going to win. I do think Seattle will beat the Rams. I, I think that'll happen, which would eliminate Detroit as it is. So I really think the question is Green Bay, Seattle. Does the does the Pack handle business? I think they do. Um, I think Green Bay is going to get in. I don't think Green Bay is going very far in the playoffs because I think they probably get San Francisco, and I don't think that's going to end well. But the Packers will get in, and if they get in, it's nothing short of a miracle based on where they were a month ago. Yeah, so I'm with you. Uh, it's going to come down to basically Detroit and Packers because Seattle, they're, they're probably going to beat the Rams. It's very interesting. The Packers thought that they were done for earlier on in the season, and they've started to rattle off some wins. I believe four straight wins now. Aaron Rodgers starting to play better football. Christian Watson getting more involved, although his last game uh, was somewhat a non-factor. I'm with you. The Packers take care of business at home against Detroit. They're in. I, I don't see them and Aaron Rodgers falling against Detroit. I know Detroit's a much better team this year than in, in, in the past, right. but it still feels like one of those situations. Betting against Aaron Rodgers when they play Detroit seems like a bad bet. Yeah, well, you know, if the game was in Detroit, I'd feel differently. But it's in Green Bay. Um, you know, the, the Lions and, and Jared Goff have been so different home and away. Um, and also, that's just a that's a hornet's nest to step into. Like the Packers, know they win the game, they're in. I can't see a world here where the Packers just choke that game away. I, I just can't. I, I think, I think the Lions. The other part of it too is the game is on Sunday Night Football. If the Seahawks win, the Lions are they're, they're they're done anyway. They can't do anything. So like, what motivation now? If the Lions now if the Seahawks somehow lose to the Rams, then it becomes very interesting because then the Lions are going to be playing for everything. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I think Seattle's going to beat the Rams, and so if if Seattle wins, then I mean you're just if you're Detroit, you're going through the motions. I mean there's no there's no uh, reason to play right? If you're the Lions to play with any real urgency. So I think the Packers will win. I think they'll get in and they will be a very intriguing seven seed if nothing else because who the quarterback is. I will say this. Do we need to start giving the Packers a little bit more credit for the fact that they were what four and eight and might potentially make the playoff? 
the NFL is with the addition of the seven team, right? It makes it so much more intriguing where you're never truthfully out of it until a certain point, right? Which seems obvious, but being four and eight, we all thought the Packers were done. We thought there was no shot. No question. No question. The Packers were going to make it, but they rattle off some wins. And now you're sitting here saying they might actually have a shot at the seventh seed. And again, with Aaron Rodgers, you never know what's going to happen. Going to into the future. Number three, which team has a surprise head coach opening? So I am, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a, of a, of a big swing on this, uh, so to speak, but I, I believe it. Um, I think the Rams are going to have one uh, because look, Sean McVay almost walked away after last season. And he, of course, did not. He came back. He's in his 30s. I mean, he's a really young coach. He could walk away for a couple of years if he wanted to. Do, you know, step away from the game. He's got a young family. He could, he could do some broadcast work, some analyst work if he wanted to. And every year he's going to be the guy everybody's talking about, right? Like he's going to be, he's going to be every year Sean Payton, but 20 years younger. Um, I thought it was very, very noteworthy when the reports came out a few weeks ago that offensive coordinator Liam Cohen was going to reportedly take a job at the University of Kentucky as the offensive coordinator, which is what he was doing before he took the job with the Rams. He went from the Rams to Kentucky to the Rams and now back to Kentucky. Now, maybe that means nothing, but in my experience with this stuff, it usually means something. And why would he leave being the Rams offensive coordinator for the Kentucky offensive coordinator job? Why would that – not to try to be like Brian Winhurst with the Jazz here, but like why would that happen? Why would, why would he do that? To me, that says maybe Sean McVay is leaving. And – Maybe Cohen felt like he should take that job at Kentucky. Um, it's just as odd to me. And considering last year and everything going on, I wouldn't be shocked if McVay stepped away based on where the Rams are, everything, you know, the, the picks and the cap space, and all that stuff. If you're McVay, maybe you're like, you know what? I've got more money than I, I ever knew what I could possibly do with it. I'm going to move on. And I'm going to you know, get a new job in two, three years. And, you know, he still – whatever, you know, 25 years of being a coach if he wants it. Uh, I would probably go with Arizona if that's a surprise. I think it's only a surprise because Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury just got an extension before the season started. Arizona's not known for being the most uh, money-friendly team. Right, right. So I think that would come as a surprise, even though they've obviously very much so underperformed. Uh, I will say the injury to Kyler Murray didn't help anything, but it's not like Cliff Kingsbury has been out here setting the world on fire, even when he was healthy. So I think that's a surprise. I also think Washington, uh, Ron Rivera has done a fine job in what has become a very difficult division. One that we didn't think was going to be this hard going into the season, but he's made some head scratching decisions, especially going to Carson Wentz in a basically win and try and get in the playoff situation. Carson Wentz was a unmitigated disaster. I don't think the front office just looks past that. I don't know your thoughts on either one of those, but I think Ron Revere is at least on the hot seat. So, look, I mean, Kingsbury, I think probably should be removed, but I I don't know that that's going to happen because 
like you said, Bidwell is not somebody who's uh, who's got you know, deep pockets. Or you could say he has deep pockets and short arms. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be spending that time. Like, but you know, it's hard to say because you don't know with coaching contracts, like what's what the language is in there. Like, yeah, you got an extension, but is that something where it's like the money's guaranteed only if you're a you know coach a team as of like April first? You know, I mean, that, so there there could be mechanisms. Rivera is an interesting one. I don't think he's going anywhere, but you know, well, he, they had a rough end to the season. I mean, I you know, and I don't understand why in the world they went to Carson Wentz. I don't get it. I said that before the game, and I'm certainly saying that after. Carson Wentz cannot play. He is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. We have this thing with Twitter now and social media in general, where people who like to defend a certain player, and usually it's quarterback, will clip out like the guy's three best throws in the game. They go, see? See how great he is? Look at these throws. It's like, yep. Now clip out the other 40. And in the NFL, any quarterback in the league can make two or three throws in a game where you're really impressed. It's what happens other than those two or three throws in a game. You know, if you took Joe Burrow and took his two or three best throws out of the game and you watched his film, he'd still look like a really good quarterback. That is not the case for Carson Wentz. And why they went to him, I don't know. And then on top of that, after he's abysmal in the first half, but you're still right there, why is he still in the game? I wouldn't fire Ron Rivera, but I would I would have a lot of questions in the uh, in the exiting interviews. Let's put it that way. Let's get into the future. Number four, is Patrick Mahomes the clear-cut MVP? I mean, look, we got one week left. Um, yes, I, I think he is. I, I I don't know what the argument is otherwise. like I, I don't know. He's got 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. The Chiefs are 13-3. and three. Um, but Jalen Hurts had a great year. Jalen Hurts missed the last two games. And frankly, I didn't think he was a – I didn't think he was an MVP before that. I don't now. I know some people have argued, well, you know, no, he is. He's more than ever because they lost those games. I, I get it. They scored like 34 points in the game against Dallas. And to me, you can't become more of an MVP candidate because you're hurt and you're not in the field. Like, I, that, that's – like, he's not there. He's not playing. He, I mean, so I, to me, yes. Um, Justin Jefferson's great. Justin Jefferson's not the MVP of the league, okay? Um Patrick Mahomes to me, and the and the betting markets reflected, is he is the runaway favorite right now, and I, I think he will be uh, the MVP of the league for the second time in his career. Yeah, I would agree, and I always disagree with the argument of well, they lost the game when Jalen Hurts was out, and they've been winning before him, so that clearly makes him the MVP. Right. Obviously, injuries are a part of the game, and you hate when injuries happen. That's been the majority of what we're talking about during the show, but I, for Jalen Hurts in the MVP candidacy. You have to play. You don't all of a sudden get a boost because you're gone. That's not how this works. I love Jalen Hurts. He's probably going to get second in MVP voting, and I think that's very much yeah, sure. deservedly so. But what Mahomes has done this season has been incredible. Once um, you become this elite quarterback like Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers are, you get nitpicked so much. For every little thing he he does, you look on Twitter 
half the time people are saying he's the greatest quarterback in the world. And the other half are saying, well, look at this throw, look at this throw, look at this throw. And you watch him consistent. You go, he is the MVP. He's dragged the Chiefs to multiple victories this season where if he was any other quarterback, I don't think they'd come away with a victory. It's Mahomes. Uh, what he's done has been spectacular. Um, his expectations are so high, and it's starting to feel like a situation where it's the Michael Jordan, LeBron James, um, even Tom Brady to an extent where it feels like they should win MVP almost every single season, but it feels like the national media is trying to give it to someone else. They're trying to anoint the next person. It's not fun when it's the same guy year in and year out. That's what it's starting to feel like with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think a lot of times it is a little bit of like redundancy and boredom. And and, and these, these awards can be narrative-based too. I and mean, let's be realistic about that. And that's not just in the NFL. That's in, that's in all sports. Um, I think um, – I think, though, when it's this cut and dry – then let's not reinvent the wheel here. Like, I mean, by any metric, I mean, if his, if this was anybody, if Justin Herbert had those numbers, he'd be the unanimous MVP. Like nobody, there wouldn't even be an argument about this, but you're right because, because it's Mahomes and there's almost like fatigue with this. It, it becomes like, well, is he, is he? Yes, he is. He's the MVP of the league. I don't think we've got to make it more difficult than it is. Um, they are 13 and three. I don't think anybody in the world would argue that they're 13-3 without him. And he has 40 touchdown passes and over 5,000 passing yards. Didn't need a 17th game to get there. Um, they traded away Tyreek Hill, and it didn't matter. I mean, that 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 ought to tell you, like, Tyreek Hill, by anybody's estimation, is a top three receiver in the league. They traded him away, and it made no difference. I mean, that's how, that's how ridiculous Mahomes has been this year. Could you trade away a top three receiver – on any other team, and it just like like if, if I don't know, I'm trying to give an example, but like, um, yeah, if you took an elite team in the league, if you traded away CD Lamb, Dak's not going to feel that impact, you know. I mean, uh, I I think there is absolutely a a big part of that MVP argument that is, look, they, they traded away the most electrifying player in football and Mahomes got better. I mean, I, you know, that's where I sit. If people used it to detract against him earlier on when he was winning, when it was Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and folks were saying, well, it's because look at his weapons. Then you have to use the same, same argument now when it is, okay, no Tyreek Hill, he's the MVP. Come on now. Uh, I also dislike that in general when that was the case against him. I will never use that case against Jalen Hurts for having a good supporting cast. That's not his fault that he's using them correctly. That's not a knock against Jalen Hurts for having A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard in a great offensive line. That's not his fault. He's no. using them correctly. What do you want him to do? Not use them? Only throw to Quez Watkins? No, that's asinine. By the way, do you think we'll ever see an MVP that's not a quarterback again because my estimation we won't mvp we now have more information where quarterback is so much more valuable in the next position i don't see how it's another position unless it's like a defensive end getting 30 sacks something just completely ridiculous right. no, i think we will um yeah because you have years sometimes where like nobody puts up unbelievable numbers and then maybe there's a back who rushes like two thousand yards 
you know, or a receiver will have 2,000 yards one of these days with the 17th game. So I think we will, but I think it's got to be the right set of circumstances. Um, and this year, there's, I mean, when you have somebody who threw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, like that, that guy's going to be paid away. I'm sorry. Like sometimes, sometimes we make this stuff way too hard. You know, we really do. And you start twisting yourself into a pretzel. Like this isn't that difficult. You know, this guy in this case, he's far and away the MVP of the league. Like, I, I don't know what the argument is against him. I, it, what it, like to me, if you're going to argue against him, you're doing it for the sake of just being argumentative. There's really not like a, a clear call. Like, oh yeah, this is the reason. No, I, I don't. I don't see it. I really don't. Foss had a good question regarding our potential surprise head coaching opening. Uh, he's asks, how long do you think Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll are going to stay in the game? Both are seventy. You know, they're getting up there in age. How old do you think they'll end up coaching until? I mean, it's impossible. To say. I'll say one thing: Pete Carroll, man, acts like he's twenty-five. I mean, he is a young guy at heart for sure. Uh I don't know. I mean, a couple more years. A couple more years. I mean, I, you know, Belichick. I just think for Belichick, like football is his life. I mean, I, and that don't listen, that's true of every coach, but like it's really, really, really true of him. Like I just and his son's on the staff, you know, so it's like he's got that family connection there too. I think a couple more years. It's not crazy. I think at this point every year you look at Carol and Belichick. I mean, they're the two guys that are over 70. You ask, like, it's just it's just their last uh, run at this thing. But I, I don't get the feeling that that either guy's lost it. I mean, everybody thought Seattle was going to be awful this year. Seattle's been pretty competitive, eight and eight. And, and I mean, right now, technically sitting in a playoff spot, New England is also in a playoff spot right now, win and in, in week 18. Um, I mean, it's not like these guys are losing it. They're still, they're still really good coaches. So I, I hear it's a good question, but I, I would say that I think they still have a couple of years on them. I would say the same, and also they're not taking a step back. These were not good rosters. Matt Vergram, you and I specifically went into the season saying Seattle and the Patriots might oh. have two of the bottom five rosters in the I, NFL. I think they do. Like I, I think they do. I mean, I, it's really like, – it's, it's incredible. New England doesn't have one weapon that anybody cares about, and they have no quarterback, and they're 8-8, eight and eight, and they are a win away from going to the playoffs. I mean, in a conference, it's, it's really good. So – it's incredible. It's really incredible. Would the Patriots be better off with a GM who drafts? Because with Bill Belichick, his drafting history has not been ideal in recent seasons. Oh, yeah. Yes. Would, would you consider, or even with contract extensions and free agents, the Hunter Henry, uh, Jonu Smith, yep. uh, the overpay for Nelson Aguilar, as well as the wide receiver from the 49ers who I'm drawing a blank on right Kendrick now, Bourne. Kendrick Bourne. Would you consider the Patriots being better if they had a legitimate GM in place? Yeah, absolutely. I wrote about this a month ago, a month and a half ago. Um, I wrote a little feature on it. Look, I, I don't think there's any question the Patriots need to hire somebody to run their player personnel. They have not drafted well for the better part of a decade. Um, and that was covered up by the fact that they had some veterans on the team who were all-time great players, obviously led by Brady. I don't have that anymore. That's over. This team is not drafted well. It has been an abomination in drafting weapons. I mean, they cannot draft skill position players. So, yes, I think it's a huge problem. Um, but at this point, you're going to strip power away from Belichick? That's, that's the catch-22 of this. You're, you're going to be the one that tells Bill Belichick, hey, Bill, listen, 
We think uh, this 32-year-old, he's got a better handle on this than you do. So we're going to want you to sit down here. Good luck with that. But, uh, yes, I do think they'd be much better off. I do. I absolutely do. Just as a heads up for everyone listening right now, Ben Heisler from Betside will not be joining us this week. Uh, he is out this week. So no, no sports betting going on. So wanted to throw that out there. All right, Verderam, what's going on with you? What's happening? I mean, <laughs> uh, family's in town. Parents came out yesterday. Uh, they'll be here for a week. So looking forward to spending some time with them. They can spend some time with the kids. And that'll be uh, that'll be nice. That'll be good. Um, see them a little bit. They're kind of coming out for like a late Christmas. So uh, looking forward to just hanging out and, uh, and getting a little bit of time with the family, which, you know, and you live – we live 800 miles apart. It's not always the easiest thing to do. Sounds like you're very excited. Sounds well, like you're just I mean, I, you know, I think, I think you got to strike a, 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 the right tone today. Um, yeah. You know, the, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and try to be funny or be flippant. No. I mean, it's just, um, you know, like literally when I was saying that, I was thinking about, you know, like Tamar Hamlin and his family and like what they would want right now. Like, you know, like I, to me, that that's just so domineering on my mind. I mean, watching that last night, you know, it's, you, you take football games, you just watch them and you enjoy them. And I mean, my dad and I were really excited to sit down and watch that Bills Bengals game. And it went instantly from like, yeah, we're really excited for this game to like, they can't continue this game. I mean, they just, they cannot play this football game. But no, I, I'm very excited to see them. I'm very, honestly, I, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun to see them. And, and I think we're going to go to Chicago one day and, and, and kind of go through the city. But no, um, it's great that they're out here. I just, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's the right uh, day to just be you know like being being uh, I don't know my normal self being being uh, vivacious with it. Yeah, yeah. I was watching the game with my girlfriend. Actually, we were thrilled. You know, you, you see the early touchdown. You're sitting here and you're like, this is going to be an incredible game back and forth. Yep. Uh, obviously, me as a Chiefs guy, you're sitting here going. You're, you're kind of rooting for the Bengals, but also you're just rooting for a good game between two of, you know, two of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. You're very thrilled to watch. And what transpired was just devastating. You're sitting there, me and my girlfriend just sitting there. And yeah. it's about 11 PM on the couch, just waiting, hoping for updates, just not moving. Um, again, never witnessing anything like this before happening, at least in my lifetime, you mentioned Detroit lions. I got a few um, messages from, some some older uh, NFL watchers who were all over that saying, you know, that this also had, so I looked into that as well, but it's just terrifying, man. And you're completely right. Today's not the day. It just feels off. Talking football, yeah. talking sports, it just feels off. Well, and I'm going to be honest with you, I really debated whether we should even do the show or not, but I felt like if we did it in the right way, it could be a little bit of – um a, a community, like a communal type thing where everybody just kind of sits there and, and talks, um, you know, whether it be, you know, you and I or in the chat, maybe it helps somebody who's, who's you know, just thinking about this and they just want to listen to somebody. Um, I didn't think it would be appropriate to do the show in the normal way that we would do it. I thought that would be way out of bounds. I thought to do it in a way where we just talk through the situation. I think that's what we're paid to do. That's our jobs. Um, and so I wanted to do my job. Uh, but I wanted to do it in a, in a really respectful way. I hope we hit that chord. Um, and I, I think, you know, look, I, 
I mean, I, you know, and I think that's really important. Like, I, I'll be very straightforward. I tweeted out earlier. I like to me, um, like, I don't know if you if you saw it or not, but you know, Skip Bayless was, was tweeting last night. To me, like, it's a fireball offense. It just is. It's such an embarrassing. And I've had a lot of people, and I tweeted that. And I've had a lot of people respond and be, "Yeah, oh, you're you're overreaching." Which is fine. Like, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um. Like, I thought that was such a classless way to handle it. And I don't mind calling him out for this because, you know, what the hell with it. If he put it out there, it's his problem. For me, I think I think if you're in the sports media, you have a job to do. You can choose. And I, and I have no problem with the people who say, look, I don't want to do it today. That's, I get it. For me, I felt like it was the right thing to do is to do this, this podcast, but also um, to do it in a respectful way and not to do it in a way that felt like um, – you're just trying to move on, and it is what it is. Like it's not. Well, it's not his. It's just somebody's life. I mean, that, that that's what this is, and that matters a hell of a lot more than a football game or the standings or who's what seed and all that stuff. Not saying that from a sports perspective that stuff isn't important. I mean, that's why we all sit here and talk about football every week. You know, we we care about the games and we care about the results. And but when you have something like this, like yeah, that stuff goes out the window. It just does until further notice, and I, I think that's where you leave it. I think a day in the comments, he, he had a very good response, a very good post. Football will continue, but when it's appropriate. We went from entertainment to life and death in a split second. We need time to recover. Uh, I think that was very eloquent and put very, very, yeah. um, very, very good comment right there. Yeah. Uh, this was the Stack in the Box podcast right here. Matt Verderam, I am Sterling Holmes. We, we think and pray for DeMar Hamlin, for his yep. family for the Bills, for the Bengals, for all the players, for the EMTs, for the first responders, everyone who was involved in that scary, scary situation. Uh, we we hope and we're, we're looking for uh, a recovery timeline. We're trying to see any information that comes your way. Uh, if you want to get some information, I'm sure Matt Verdram, you'll be one of the first people to tweet anything out that you hear uh, sure. on your Twitter account. So we'll all be looking out. Uh, but again, for Jamar Hamlin, we're all thinking about him. This was Stacking the Box. We're out of here. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.